in-depth conversations, matchup breakdowns, analysts on every game, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with your hosts, Adam Crawley and Colin Dudlap. Episode 12, fourth down in the Steel City. The preseason is over. I'm Adam Crowley, and I'm ecstatic. You're Colin Dunlap, and you are? Ecstatic. Same thing. Yeah, there we are. Let's go. Bunch of adjectives. It's over. A couple of weeks until kickoff. Steelers, Bengals. Your early prediction, Colin. Steelers, Bengals. Um, I don't know if the Steelers will win, but I don't think they'll lose by six and one half points. So there's that. I'm with you on that, and the starting quarterback will be Mitch Trubisky. Mike Tomlin has not said that, but we know it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. The statistics in the preseason, Mitch Trubisky, really good. The statistics for Kenny Pickett in the preseason, really good. The statistics for Mason Rudolph in the preseason, pretty good. And before we get into the actual sexy stuff here, Colin, of Kenny Pickett v. Mitch Trubisky, what should the Steelers do, what will the Steelers do, there have been a bunch of reports that teams have been interested in Mason Rudolph in making a play for his services. If there's a lot of teams interested, the Steelers should be able to drive up the price, no? I would think. And, you know, right now it's it's absurd that the reports, if you believe the reports, that the Steelers will do no more but part uh, with anything uh, with anything less than uh, or better than I should say, like a fourth or fifth round pick is what I've been reading. That seems absolutely absurd to me. Um, I don't know. Mason Rudolph's not, nobody's offering a fourth or fifth round pick for Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, if he were to fetch a fourth round pick, you absolutely, no question you take that deal. And then if you're the fan base of the team that gives up the fourth round pick for Mason Rudolph, you go with pitchforks and torches, and you get that guy, that general manager of your team, and you throw him in the closest creek, you throw him in the cl- closest river. Hey, maybe it's a coastal team, and you throw him in the ocean, but that general manager deserves to be beamed into the sun, giving up a fourth-round pick for Mason Rudolph. If somebody gave the Steelers a fourth-round pick for Mason Rudolph, just because for sympathy reasons, I would give them Dan Moore Jr. as well. I would just, I would just <laughs> give them to him. It's a thank you. I appreciate that. Did uh, Dan Moore Jr. take the entire offseason and just not watch tape? Did he not practice? What the hell happened? Because I thought his trajectory was on the up and up con, and um, it decidedly is not. It is not, and it becomes a big problem because that's somebody on that left side that you counted on to really help you out. It's just... Man, if you ask me if not to interrupt, Colin, but if you ask me which of the returnees that I had the most hope for, it would have been Dan Moore Jr. I probably agree because Dotson is a I I can't figure him out either. But Dan Moore Jr. Yes. The thing about it is, man, and I've done a lot of thinking over the past, I don't know, 24 hours or so. Yeah, it's about 24 hours, maybe even a little less about how much. And I think this is the A topic, maybe, Adam. How much the bad offensive line truly does debilitate the rest of the team. And every time that I talk myself out of that and say, well, no, the quarterback's more important. Well, no, they'll be able to run the football. Well, no, what they're going to do is roll the pocket and throw on the run a little bit. Well, no, the tight ends are going to drag across the formation. Oh, Deontay Johnson, you can get it out to him quick, little tunnel and eagle screens, let him go wild. 
well, the defense will stop people and you'll have short fields maybe. And every variable that I could come up with, I just, I then feel like I'm lying to myself. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't want that to be the case, but it truly does feel when I have that conversation with myself, I don't have a lot of conversations with myself, just sometimes. And this is one of those conversations I am having with myself. I do just feel like I'm lying to myself and say, wait, get a hold of yourself. If this offensive line looks like that, the rest of it, you can't even light the wick. You just can't light the wick. Knock, knock. Am I allowed in? Can I come into the conversation? I think there's a ceiling for sure. And a low one at that. If your offensive line's this bad, unless you've got Joe Burrow and Jamar chase, and then your ceiling is higher. But I also looked at what Cincinnati did, and people are going to use that as an example on how you can win with a bad offensive line. I also look at them a little bit as a fluke last year. Uh, that's a 10-win team in the regular season. I don't think the Steelers would be all that far off of being a 10-win team. And, yeah, they got hot in the postseason. They gave up nine sacks in a playoff game. They should have lost that. I don't think they were really better than Kansas City. But, you know, you win a game, and and you you advance, and – you were close to winning the Super Bowl. Okay, you got hot. Don't think it's the same thing is going to happen. I do think there's a ceiling on the Steelers. I, I think- also think that they have a receiver that's better than Deontay Johnson. Yes. And Joe Mixon is a better pure runner than Najee Harris at this point. Yes, I would agree on all of that. And the quarterback is a superstar. And while we both like Mitch Trubisky, he ain't that guy. Right. And I think Kenny Pickett can be pretty good. Pretty good's not that guy. So it doesn't add up to me. I think the best the Steelers could do is probably top out around what last year wound up being. Uh, I think the quarterback play is going to be better than Ben. I think that the rush defense should probably be better. And then by extension, I think the defense overall should be better. But last year's team to me was fluky, just like the Bengals were fluky. All the things that that team did bad and they still made the playoffs, that wouldn't happen again. So I think the Steelers could do all the things that we're talking about, all the things that you went over in the hypothetical, and then still only be a team that might make the playoffs and is probably not going to win a playoff game. I mean, that's the story today. I would probably agree with you. Now, I don't know if from a standpoint of getting better, like Hmm. how much do you – what do you teach the offensive line? How do they get better? How do they – drill at the at the nfl level that's the stuff i can't figure out like i don't know how much room for for growth they have mike tomlin made it seem like jacksonville they game planned because it was their third preseason game out of four and because they were playing the extra preseason game i thought maybe the interior of that line got confused a little bit Mm -hmm. okay they were better against Detroit. Maybe they got confused less, but Dan Moore Jr. just continued to get worked by Aiden Hutchinson. Now, Aiden Hutchinson, he's probably going to do that to people this year, but this just in. Playing left tackle in the NFL means you're going to see a lot of guys that can do that to you. I don't know what can happen. I really don't. Short of, I've thrown this out there. You ask Mike Munchak to be available via Zoom once a week, and maybe he gives you a few pointers. I'm not even joking about that. That's how. That's the straws that I'm grasping at, Con. And then I think you legitimately, when teams make their cutdowns, I think you look and say, okay, the guy that I could bring in is not good, but neither is this guy, this guy, or this guy on our line, and it would still be an upgrade. 
I don't think you can leave any stone unturned at this point. But my question to you then, Colin, is, I mean, are they really prioritizing it? If you didn't do things to fix this line before this point, are you going to do anything now to fix no. it at this point? The time's gone to fix that. Did you happen to hear what Dan Orlovsky had to say about the Pittsburgh Steelers in their past game? He's very good at what he does. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear what he has to say. He said, it really doesn't matter. He said, Mitch Trubisky's won the job as the quarterback, right? And, and I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not quoting Dan word for word, although I find him to be very pleasant all the way back to when I covered him when he was a college quarterback. Um, but I'm paraphrasing. He said, it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is because it's the same situation. The offensive line is so bad that maybe the Steelers might come out and think and try to push the football downfield and maybe throw downfield. But what they're going to find out, no matter what they try to do, it's going to be the same really small yards per attempt. It's going to be the same really small time that the quarterback has. And it is going to revert back to, and this is why you go with Trubisky at the very beginning, and it's a smart move no matter what. And he actually won the job anyway, and I think he's pretty good. But it's going to revert back to, oh, my gosh, we're just getting snowed under. Let's just get the football out. And it's not all that much going to matter who won the job because the offensive line isn't going to allow the quarterback to perform. I think that's probably largely true. I will say that the thing that I think is a difference, or at least maybe I'm hoping is a difference, is attacking the middle of the field. That's something that they hadn't done the last couple of years with Ben. He was reluctant to push the ball down the field between the hash marks, which is odd given how successful he was at that earlier in his career. And I thought Kenny Pickett has, I think Kenny Pickett has done a good job of that. It, the best throw maybe for me of the entire preseason was when Mitch Trubisky threw the ball on the back shoulder of uh, Pat Fryermuth, uh, a laser beam over the middle of the field. You can get rid of the ball quickly and attack the middle, and I think that can open things up and give you more of more than what the offense gave you last year. But I think Orlovsky's watched a lot of football. I don't think he's wrong here. Um, I think it it definitely caps the ceiling of whatever quarterback's in there. And I wouldn't want Kenny Pickett developing behind that line. I think Mitch Trubisky's in a better opera in a better station of his career to be able to deal with a line like that than is Kenny Pickett. You know what is wild as hell? That maybe one of the best throws of the whole preseason was Mason Rudolph late in the game the other day, right down the middle of the field to, I don't know who it was, a backup Jake, tight end or somebody. Sternberger or something. Yes, it, but it was an on-the-money throw into traffic that hit the guy in the hands right up the right up the middle of the field. And I'm thinking, yeah, too little, too late for that guy. But uh, for both of them, probably. I think one already got cut. You know what I like about Pickett? Because you're right, that was a hell of a throw by Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph went 0 for 3 and was better than any of the Detroit quarterbacks, which I think uh, speaks of their situation as well as the Steelers. What I love about Pickett is he two throws. The throw to Pat Fryermuth, not in this game, but in the last game when he let Fryermuth get to the next level and he got hit. And then the back shoulder throw in this game too. I think it was Boykin. I might be wrong on who he threw it to. That was down the left sideline. Both of those showed maturity in knowing and having faith in your arm and your decision-making. And I just thought those were both legitimate NFL throws that I didn't know that Kenny Pickett would have at this point. He's showing maturity beyond his years, Colin. Kenny Pickett is. Sure is. Yeah. Love him. Um, I, 
Do you think Kenny Pickett could carry it? How would Kenny Pickett deal with deal with not success, uh, deal with a little bit of failure? Because, you know, I heard this was brought up by a lot of people. It's easier to insert Kenny Pickett as opposed to pull Kenny Pickett out. Like, just wait for the time. It's almost like a lot of people are waiting for um, – waiting for Trubisky to fail and then you put Kenny Pickett in the game because they're afraid of Kenny Pickett dealing with failure initially. Yeah, I don't know that it's... Yeah, I guess it is they're afraid of him dealing with failure early because the reality is a rookie quarterback's going to have bumps. You're just you're not going to be unbelievable wire to wire like Ben Roethlisberger. It's just... That's happened one time in NFL history. And Dak Prescott had a nice rookie season. I mean, it has happened, but you're going to have, as they say, adversity. And I think whatever quarterback's in there, given the schedule, given the way the roster is built, is going to suffer that fate regardless at the beginning of the season at some point. And it is easier to then hand the keys over to your first round pick than it would be to, uh oh, we're in trouble. You don't have a, a button you can push. And if you're going to struggle at some point either way, you might as well have that button to push. What I always disagreed with, um, I don't know where you came down on this, the people who said, well, you draft Kenny Pickett in the first round, he's going to have so much pressure on him. He needs to succeed. He's a pit guy, he's a first round quarterback. Wherever you go as a first-round quarterback, you're going to face pressure. And if you can't handle that pressure, then you were never a first-round quarterback, I don't think. I don't care if you went to Las Vegas or San Francisco yep. or Jacksonville or Houston or Cleveland or Pittsburgh. And I don't care if he played college in Provo or Austin or Tuscaloosa or wherever. A first-round quarterback it has gigantic pressure. Massive. And if, here's the thing. Here's how I look at it in terms of pressure. If you're a first-round quarterback, it's all about equal. It's like driving a car 120 miles an hour, and then I drive that car 141 miles an hour. Once you reach a certain threshold of fast, you just can't tell anymore. Fast yeah. is fast. It's like when it's cold. Do you know the difference between minus 17 and minus 28? No, it's just freaking cold. And so once you're a first-round quarterback, you have an enormous amount of pressure it's not like you can quantify or measure that pressure. Like be, playing at Pitt heightens that pressure differently than any other first-round quarterback. Like, I don't know if that made any sense, but that's how I look at it. Like, you have so much pressure that you don't measure the first-round pressure quarterback that you have against other. It's all the same. You know, there's a lot of pressure on you now, Colin, because that's like an eight-straight analogy streak. You're, yeah. just, you're just on fire. Ripping them but off. You really are. Whether it be on the Fan Morning Show or here on Fourth yeah. Down in the Steel City, you're rolling with the analogies. But no, that I makes feel sense. like Robin Ventura at Oklahoma State. Big, long hitting streak here. Yes. Boy, that guy was pretty good, huh? Yeah, and then he got his ass handed to him by Nolan Ryan. Well, yeah. as, as one would. Mm -hmm. Coming up next, I'll have my ass handed to me by Colin. I don't know why. I just sort of wanted to say that. <laughs>